All right, so here's what we're going to do tonight. Again, our premise is that the soul of man is body and spirit, inseparably connected. Yep, if I take a bat and hit this one, will this one just stand independent and watch? Or will it be hit as well? Everything that happens to you mentally has a spiritual impact. Everything that has a physical impact has a spiritual impact. So where we've been and where we're going in this class, again, this is not a mental health class. This isn't a, let's hold it in a church and pull all the, the mental health resources into the gospel. My claim is that the mental health industry, our whole regimen of self-care, could benefit from some of the truths of the gospel that we know. So I'm not trying to pull mental health expertise into the gospel. I'm trying to put the gospel into the hands of those who are trying to take care of their mental and emotional health. So one thing that I have learned with a front row seat is that one of the things, now I'm not trying to suggest that understanding doctrine makes depression go away. But I have had enough experience with depression to know that anything that pushes down on my spirit is going to have a, an effect over here. And my depression doesn't need help. My anxiety does not need help. So what I'm trying to do is lift some burdens that I know you well enough to know you place on yourself. If I can lift some of those burdens by helping you understand true doctrine, it will have a lifting effect over here. And then you can deal with this without that extra weight. You see what we're trying to do? I am not naive. I don't think saying enough prayers will make depression go away. But I do believe my depression doesn't need help from what I often add to. So last week was this expectation of perfection. It's toxic perfectionism. It's holding myself to a standard that God doesn't hold me to. One thing actually kind of stood out to me when I, as I thought about the other week is I realized, because first off, we are, what really boggles me is that we're literally taught this song in primary, but I understand why and that is literally in the song, I'm trying to be like Jesus, kind of like what pre President, I guess, uh, I remember President Hall, Elder Hall, President Hall was my university president. But the thing is that, um, the thing is, is that, uh, do I need a shower that? <laughs> Probably. Uh, I'm trying to say, say is that, is he was talking about be there for perfect eventually, which is one of the best topics I, I heard about perfectionism in a while, by the way. Uh, he mentioned this, and I realized that there's a specific word that you need to let, to hear sometimes with the lyrics. And that is, I'm trying to be like Jesus. First off, trying means a constant effort, but it also means that you're going to fail. Yeah. It's not. And it's not, I am being like Jesus. It's, I'm trying to be like Jesus. Yeah. So in other words. And that's good know, enough for Jesus. That. And we were taught that in primary yeah. when we were three, five years old. <laughs> but we beat ourselves up. That phrase you mentioned, be ye therefore perfect, 
If we really translate what Jesus said, again, he didn't speak English, did he? Jesus did not say that in English. He did not say, be ye therefore perfect. The best translation of the words he actually spoke really would be, arrive at the destination of perfection. That's the expectation. Arrive at the destination. Now, will I someday be held accountable? Do I have to face the tree of life and be held accountable? Yes. Is it today? Is it tomorrow? Is it a hundred years from now? It is not. It is at least a thousand years away. Okay, never nine. Well, technically, I'm going to stand by that. I think end of the millennium. Final judgment, end of the millennium. So here's what we're going to do next. Now that we've granted ourselves a probationary state, now that we understand what life is about, what Heavenly Father expected this life to be, I want to talk about this process of salvation. Do you remember the day, maybe coming out of high school, where you had no idea how to get a college degree? Maybe some of you are still there. The thought of all the requirements to get a college degree was overwhelming. I have watched every one of my kids that hit that come out of high school and just the daunt. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do this. And when you don't know, when, when you don't understand the process and you don't know what to do, it seems overwhelming. And then someone helps you. You get a little bit of help, and then there comes a point where it's like, I can do this. I can get to the finish line. So we need to do the same thing with salvation. I would dare say, and I don't mean this negatively, but I would dare say the average Latter-day Saint has no idea how to be saved. They have no idea how to be saved. They don't, they don't know the process. And again, they don't know what that means because a lot of people will say, well, you're saved by grace after everything you can do. And if you don't do it all, his grace is uh-uh, going to help you. And so I want to talk, I want to make the process very real and very simple. If you can understand how to be saved, your realistic expectation that I can do this is going to increase. So I'm going to use the best example of them all, Jesus. Now, don't be intimidated by his perfectness, because it's not his perfectness that's going to help us today. It is our doctrine that Jehovah came through the veil and forgot he was Jehovah. It is our doctrine that Jesus went through the veil and forgot everything, just like everyone else that he started as a child and did not remember who he was. He did not remember being Jehovah. Now, the reason he did that is to say, let me show you how to do it. I will have my memory stripped so that I can't remember premortal life, so I will show you how to make it through this mortal existence. And that's the beauty of why he came. So. Doctrine and Covenants 93, one of the greatest sections in the Doctrine and Covenants. To me, one of the greatest evidences that Joseph Smith was a prophet, because no one could have produced section 93. But here is section 93. It is a record of John the Baptist who saw the childhood of Jesus. 
We only know 30-year-old Jesus, but John knew 16-year-old Jesus and 10-year-old Jesus and 18-year-old Jesus. And John said, I need someone to read. Anyone want to read for me? Please. I'm going to stop you a couple times, so just be my reader. Okay, he did not remember being Jehovah. He was born, went through the veil, forgot everything. He did not have the fullness when he came to earth. And he progressed through this process called grace for grace. Now, how does Heavenly Father emphasize? It would be nice if our scriptures came pre-marked. If he said, these are my most important verses, he doesn't do that. So how does God emphasize? He repeats. Watch him repeat three times in three verses. Jesus didn't have the fullness of the first. So he progressed in this magical phrase, grace for grace. Jesus, who forgot being Jehovah, who didn't remember who he was, advanced and progressed grace for grace. Now, what does that sound like? When I say grace for grace, what image comes to your mind? What is grace for grace? What does that sound like is happening? Uh, like mistake after mistake. It's in our case, certainly. Oh, yeah. But he's not making mistakes. So what does grace for grace sound like in his case? Grace for grace. Exchange. Sounds like an exchange, right? Little bit of him, little bit of God. Little bit of him, little bit of God. He's dancing. We dance with Christ. He danced with the Father. A little bit here, a little bit there. It's an exchange. Now notice the repeat and yet the difference. All right, next verse. Notice what he repeats. So again, a repeat. Jesus didn't remember premortal life. He came through the veil and forgot everything. He did not receive the fullness at the first. But notice what's different this time. Instead of grace for grace, it's... What does that one sound like? It sounds like it's building on top of each other. It sounds like it's, like it's a... Almost like in this particular case, a, um, well... Anyone who's written any or has created anything actually knows what this is like. Grace. Because the thing is, is that a bill, a painting does not start out as a full-blown painting. It starts out as simple brush strokes. A building does not start start from a full from a roof. You have to build the foundation, then build from that. Even even when you're building a model, you use you use piece by piece. When you write a, a novel or a poem, it's word by word. Do you see that? Now put them together. By little, big things are made possible. The exchange and the steps. Wait a second. So that means that little things were exchanged. The ex little, little bit at a time. little bit at a time are being exchanged. Jesus is growing grace for grace and grace to grace, and he's not doing it alone. Third verse. And thus he was called the Son of God, because he received not of the fullness of the Father, but 
He was called the Son of God because he needed help. He needed help to go through this process. He needed someone to exchange with. And that's why he's the Son of God. But he did not receive the fullness at the first. So this is a very simple process of how to be saved. It's a little bit of an exchange that builds on top of each other. Now, let me see if I can graph it. If it'll, be, if it'll help, I'm going to graph it. We're going to start with two doctrinal truths that are going to make all the difference in the world. Doctrinal truth number one is verse 28 of this same verse. Okay, here is an eternal truth, and God will not break it. What's truth number one? If you obey, what's the exchange here? If you obey, that's my part, he gives me light. How much light? Just a step. If you obey, he gives you light. That is grace for grace. If you obey, he gives you light. And that is an eternal truth. Doesn't matter if you're in Africa, it doesn't matter if you're in Russia, it doesn't matter if you've never heard of Jesus Christ. If you obey, he gives you truth. If you obey, he gives you truth. Now, We'll go back to section 82. We won't turn there, but you know the verse. Unto whom much is given, much is required. So if you have more light, then there is generally what expectation? More obedience. Now, do you believe those two truths? Can we all say, I, I accept those as eternal truths? Don't need to question them so we can move on. They feed off of each other. They feed off of each other. It's, that, that actually to me is what probably is meant by grace, by grace and grace for it's, grace to grace. Because the thing is that if you, if you obey God's commandments, you're giving him the only thing that you have to actually give, and that's your agency. So what's he going to give you in return? He gives you life. It's so that, simple. Because of that, um, because of that light, you can give more more of that so and there you build more on what you can do do you see it do you see it coming so i receive light i'm supposed to obey if i obey i receive light if i receive light i'm supposed to obey if i obey i receive light do you see it what does it look like what am i doing as i describe that step by step grace for grace there's a dance God, let me give you something. Let me give you my obedience. But do we lose that light by through disobedience? Hold on, hold on. You're two steps ahead of us. We'll get there. God, let me give you my obedience. And as soon as I obey, what does he do? Let me give you more light. Grace for grace. Now, what will his light do? Show me what I need to obey. Now it's my grace. Do you give it to him? So let me see if I can graph this. Ready? The scientist in me says, if you can't graph it, it doesn't exist. So let me graph this very simple truth. This is light. Now, at some point, you have all the light that God has. That's the fullness of light. 
This is obedience. And at some point, you obey what God obeys. God obeys all commandments. So he's hit the fullness of obedience and has the fullness of light. Now, I would imagine where those two points come together, that's exaltation. That's the goal. So let's start. Now, think of what you know about the scriptures. Does anyone come into this world with zero light? Dozens of scriptures, right? Dozens of scriptures. And there's one right here. Man was in the beginning with God, intelligence, such, or, Alma, or a second Nephi 2. There's so many scriptures that say we're all born with a level of light. So may I suggest we all come into the world with light A. But does anyone come into the world obeying? Babies don't obey. <laughs> I've had 10 of them. I can testify. One-year-olds don't obey. Babies don't obey. I have 10 kids. The oldest is 31. The youngest is nine. Babies do not obey. So notice that's going to be important. I always have more light than obedience. Even Jesus had more light than obedience. We start at light A, obedient zero. But what does light A do? What does light A do to an infant as it grows? Light A calls to him or her, beckons. Eventually, that child hits obedience A. And maybe there's a moment where both A, both obedience and light are A, but that's not going to last very long, right? Because as soon as he, he or she hits obedience A, what happens? Light B. Always more light than obedience. And that light beckons to him or her. And as soon as he or she hits obedience B, what happens? Light C. Do you see the grace for grace process? And how am I advancing? Grace to grace. By grace for grace. Now let me illustrate. Let me see if I can illustrate. Let's let this room be my life. And I came in to this room. And here I am born. This is me. This is how much light I came into the world with. But it's enough to see. Now, that light tells me that these chairs are a mess. These chairs are a mess. The chairs in this room are not in a row. I have enough light to see that I need to fix the chairs. And so I tidy up my life. I straighten up my room. Now tell me what's going to happen as soon as I tidy up my life. Just a little bit of light. Now notice what you couldn't see before and you can see now. Bear with the analogy. This is a pretty bare room, but bear with the analogy. Now that that light went on, I noticed that the pictures are crooked. And they bug me. I don't like crooked pictures. I want to fix them. Now, can I ask an important question? I need you to understand this question. Why didn't I fix the pictures when I fixed the chairs? 
Did you hear yourself? Why didn't I fix the pictures when I fixed the chairs? I couldn't see them. I did not have enough light to fix the pictures. Do you see how it works? Grace for grace. Now, let's be honest. Are there some people who look at the crooked pictures and say, eh, so they're crooked. I don't care. I don't care they're crooked. I'm not going to fix them. Yes, there are. Now, what does a loving Heavenly Father do? You don't care? You don't want to see them? Okay. I'll take them away. Now you don't have to see them. That is what a loving Heavenly Father does. I'll take away the light. And you don't have to see the crooked pictures. Now, here's my testimony, and I'd love to someday show you the scripture foundation for this, but let me just bear my testimony of it. No one completely loses light in this life. No one. There was enough light on this planet during the apostasy to produce the Bible. There was enough light on this world during the apostasy to produce the Constitution of the United States and the Declaration of Independence. No human life ever loses completely the light, not in this life. So if you come back here and decide you'd like to straighten up the desks again, you'd like to straighten up the chairs which have fallen in disarray, what will he do this time? Let's try this again. You know what? I really don't like those pictures being crooked. And I'm going to fix it. Now, what happens if I fix the, the pictures? Tell me what's going to happen if I fix the pictures. I'm going to see something else. Now, you see the windows are dirty. now I can see the windows and the cobwebs. And if I fix those, do you see how life works? Small little increments of light that show you more. Now, going back to what we talked about last week, can I just point out a very important, you need to understand this process. If you do not, if you're not aware of what's going on, it will seem to you that you are getting worse, that the room is getting messier, right? Why will it seem like the room is getting messier? Now, that is not evidence that you're getting worse. It's actually evidence that your light is increasing. But do not be discouraged by that reality. That's what pulls converts out of the church everywhere. They start making progress. They love Jesus. They want to do what's right. And then they start seeing nothing but problems in their life. And they don't understand. And so they stop trying. But the reality is their light is dramatically increasing. That's why they see what they see. Do you see the process? Now let me describe. Let's let the scriptures describe this process beautifully. Turn with me to 2 Nephi chapter 28. Probably the very best description you'll ever find in the book of, is in the Book of Mormon. 2 Nephi chapter 28. Uh, not that one. Verse 30, 2 Nephi 28, verse 30. Who wants to be my reader? 
This is life in as simple a verse as I can portray. Just like we talked about falling and getting down and more sacred to God is your increase than your, your sacrifice than your increase. Here is life in one sentence. So behold, thus saith the Lord God, thou give unto the children of men line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little, and blessed are those who hearken unto my precepts and lend an ear unto my counsel. They shall learn wisdom for unto him that receiveth, thou give more. And from them that shall say, we have enough, from them shall be taken away even that which they have. Do you see it all? Everything that we just described in one verse. If I hearken, and that's a weighted word, right? Hearken means fix the pictures. Fix the pictures. I would dare say there's not a person in this room that doesn't know exactly what Heavenly Father would have them fix in their life right now. I do. Do you? He shows it to me constantly. Doesn't bang it over my head. But he very, const- he very quickly, he very frequently points out what he would have me work on. Hearken means to work on it. And if I do, if I lend an ear, I receive more. If I say nope, I lose what I have. And at the next and the principle we discussed her last class comes into place when we finally receive that moment where where we not that we can't go away higher, it's just that we run out of time. Yes. And the reality is, we're not gonna. We're gonna get. The, we're gonna end there. You're always one step ahead of me. So hang on. Go to sec, Alma chapter twelve. Alma to Zeezrom. How high and how low can I go? How high and how low can I go? A human being. How high and how low? Anyone want to read this? Alma chapter twelve, ten and eleven. Alma twelve. Who wants to read, Michelle? heart, the same receiveth the lesser portion of the word, and he that will not harden his heart to him is given the greater portion of the word, until it is given unto him to know the mysteries of God, until he know them in full. How high can I go? Grace for grace, one at a time, slowly. How high can a human being go? All the way. I can hit a fullness. How low can we go? Keep going, Michelle. And they that will harden their hearts, to them is given the lesser portion of the word until they know nothing concerning his mystery. Okay, stop there. How low can I go? Now, I don't think that happens in this life, but I do think Lucifer has gotten to a point where he has no light. I don't think he's capable of repenting because he has no light. He can't see anything broken in his room. He can't see anything to fix. He's lost all life. I don't think that happens to a human being. And there's some scriptures that we could read. But do you see how high and low I can go? So life is this process of growing line upon line. A little here, a little there. Now, how long did it take Jesus to hit there? How long did it take Jehovah to remember that he was Jehovah? Because clearly during his ministry, we believe he's Jehovah again, right? So when did he hit it? Well, let's go back to section 93 and see if we can infer from where we were reading. So John 12, 13 and 14. So 12, does he have a fullness? No. 13, does he have a fullness? No. 14, does he have a fullness? 
Now go to 16. Notice what happens in 16. I, John, bear record that he received a fullness of the glory of the Father. Now, total personal opinion. I believe the dove was the sign that says Jehovah's back. (laughs) Jehovah is here in all his glory. The dove was the sign that he had received the fullness and that Jesus was Jehovah. But what happened in between? Go to verse 15. If 14 he doesn't have a fullness and 16 he does, there's a, play, there's a marker in verse 15 that might tell us when he hit that fullness. How old was he? How old was he when he was baptized? 30. 30. Now, how fast is he going? How fast is Jehovah going? Soon as he gets a little bit of light, he has to step forward. How fast is Jehovah going? Instantly, right? Is there a delay between getting light and increasing obedience? If there's a delay, he sins and he can't redeem us. So there is no delay. How fast is he going up this? A lot faster than you and I. And how long did it take him to hit the fullness? So what's the point? What's the point? Grant yourself a lot of time. This is a long, long process. And it will continue after you die. Just start and continue the process. So let me give you what I believe is the greatest promise in the scriptures. It is one of the greatest promises I've ever read. I love that prophets can give promises, and it's good enough for me. When Lehi says, if you obey, you'll prosper in the land, Lehi, I take your word. Once in a while, Jesus will come down and say, hey, put my name on that. On one occasion that I can find, the Father came down and said, put my name on that promise. Make sure they understand that my name, the Father's name, is on this promise. So let me go. Let's go to 2 Nephi chapter 31. 2 Nephi, Book of Mormon, 2 Nephi 31. One of the greatest promises, I think, ever given in Scripture. Verse 20. I took all my markings off because I just want you to see the power of just the simple words. And this is where the music would get really, really loud and your hair would stand up on your ed- at the edge of your neck because you would, you would just feel the tingling of what, what you're about to read. Wherefore, press forward. Just press forward. Press forward with a steadfastness in Christ. Can you do that? Can you just press forward in Christ? Having a perfect brightness of hope and the love of God and of men. Oh, there's the first two commandments. Can you just obey the two basic commandments? Can you just press forward obeying the basic commandments of loving God and loving men? Will you do that? I can do that, Lord. I can do that. Now listen to this sentence. Wherefore, this is 2 Nephi 31, verse 20. Wherefore, If ye shall press forward, 
feasting upon the word of Christ and endure to the end. Now, this isn't fullness end. This is death end. This is not the end end. This is death end. If you are moving forward grace for grace when you die. Thus saith the Father. You're going to have eternal life. Do you see how it works? Can you do that? Is there anyone on this earth that can't do this? Just get a little bit more light and fix what you see. Now, let me just maybe make a comment about that. Here's a challenge in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Some people see what you don't see. And they like to point out that you need to fix something in your life. But I, I don't know what you're talking about. Imagine in the first room if someone came up to me and said, Bryce, you need to straighten your, you need to straighten your pictures. I don't know what that means. I'm trying. And what if they yell at me and they get mad at me? Straighten your dang pictures, Bryce. I, I don't know what that means. I don't have enough light to fix what you're telling me I need to fix. So guess what? I'm not going to worry about it. And I'm not going to feel guilty that I'm a horrible person because I'm not doing something that I don't know how to do. I will wait until he gives me the light to see it, and then I will fix it. Oh, if we could just believe, believe that and stop listening to what other people tell me I need to fix. And just fix the things that he has shown me I need to fix. And then you'll get a little bit more light. And then you fix a few more things. And then you get a little bit more light, and then you fix a few more things. And if you're doing that when you die, Thus saith the Father. You're going to make it. For all practical purposes, He made your calling election sure. The day you died on the path. You're going to make it. Now, I would just leave you with this last thought. We all know the reality of the ups and the downs. And I know that sometimes I go up a little, and then I come down a little, and then I go up a little, and then I come down, and then I just, this is really my life. And yeah, I get frustrated with the downs, and I fall, and I fall short, and sometimes I get mad at myself at the downs. But what direction is my life going? What direction is my life going? And if I continue that and die that way, what does Heavenly Father say the day I die? You're going to make it, son. You will have eternal life. Everyone in this room who wants to go to the celestial kingdom will go to the celestial kingdom. If you want to be there, then you are going to grow from grace to grace. And you're going to make a few mistakes and you're going to get mad at yourself for making the mistake. But you need to step back and you need to say, 
I am making great progress. I'm going to make it. Because I can't stand crooked pictures. And I'm going to fix them. I can't fix them until I see them, but I will fix them when I see them. So would it be safe to say that if, if there's someone that we care about and we love them, instead of pointing out the pictures, would it be better to help them invite more life into their life? Yep. What are you working on? What are you working on? I can see your crooked pictures, but you probably can't see them. So what are you working on? Wouldn't it be nice if we stopped comparing? Isn't it possible that people that are way down, if I'm way up here and someone's way down here, they might actually be more faithful to the light that they have than I am to the light that I have. And we shouldn't be, it's not a race. You don't get a trophy for getting to the top at the first. No extra credit. But we turn it into a race. We're constantly looking around and saying, and I, I can't do that. And the other thing I would add to that, it is my testimony. I can't book chapter and verse this. But it is my testimony that we don't all get light in the same order. And it might be that I see something that someone else won't see for years. It might be that my daughter was asking why one of her young women's leaders did something that she thought was not appropriate. And it occurred to me that maybe my daughter has light to see it and the leader does not. And that my daughter just needs to be patient and wait because this, the leader will someday see it. Parents need to be patient with their children who don't have the light that they have. But see the progress, see the growth. Today I would ask you to look back on your life and say, do you see growth? Do you see improvement? then you're on the path, you're on the way. Stop beating yourself up. You're not going to be saved because you're great. You're going to be saved because He's great. And He'll get you there. This is a simple process and everyone can do it. Does it, anyone ever been bothered by the fact that 99.8% of this planet has never heard of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. 99.8% of this planet. The restoration is almost 200 years old, and we've barely broken 0.2002%. You might think the Lord is failing, unless you understand this. Everywhere, in every continent, they don't need to know the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They simply need to do what? Live up to the light that's in them. And they'll get more. And eventually, if they live up to all the light, the Father will say of them the same thing He says of everyone who dies on the path. You're going to make it. His work is progressing better than we think it is. Even in your life, I testify you are doing better than you think you are. Grant yourselves some hope and let that burden lift. You are progressing grace for grace. And if you continue, someday you're going to hear the Father say, 
you're going to make it. Of that moment, I testify. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.